0: on local now channel 525.
1: Good morning, America. This is a special edition of the Highly Concentrated Hue iTunes show. You get two today because over the course of Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on our subscription-only podcast, The Grand Old Pod, I have been talking with Dwayne, my senior producer, and he has been talking with John Campbell, former congressman, former car dealer, and automobile enthusiast extraordinaire about Secretary Granholm and NPR's excellent adventure that came out over the weekend, the fiasco of the EV drive from Charlotte to Memphis. And I want you to be able to hear this as to why, as a journalist, it offends me, as a government person, it offends me, as, as a citizen, it offends me, and why automobile enthusiasts are left scratching their heads, saying, what did that prove? So this is a special behind the paywall. That usually the the uh, grand old pod is behind the paywall of the universe, which you ought to belong to anyway, because we do it every day and it's a lot of fun and it's uh, different and very, very different from radio because radio has certain uh, uh, requirements. You got to make, got to make your ads, you got to make your marks, you got to do sports weather. But the grand old pod lets me go wherever I want to go, Let's Dwayne go wherever he wants to go when he does it. And for the last three days, we've gone on Secretary Granholm and NPR's excellent adventure. So settle back and enjoy this special out from behind the paywall edition of highly concentrated you which is really the grand old pod made public for the first time. Take it away. But they couldn't stop Jack
2: or the happy. La, 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 la,
1: la, la. they couldn't Jack. Good Monday, America. Welcome to the after show. This is a little bit different than the normal after show. You heard about My Travails. You heard about Hurricane Lee. You heard about Joe Biden going to Vietnam. You heard all that stuff on the show. You heard all the clips on the weekend. This is a single subject after show. I've never done this before. The grand old pod is usually lots of Republicans talking about But I uh, asked Dwayne, what's your name again? Uh, Dwayne Along, because this is a car show. OK. And well, I'm sort may, sorta, fact, sorta a car. of a car. Cardiff is because because Dwayne's a car guy and I am quite famously not. Well, Campbell's a car, a car guy, but I'm certainly more of a car guy than you are. I would like you. This may be a theme all week long. Yeah, I would like you to please do tomorrow's show with Campbell about this. program. Oh, it's going to come up. Guaranteed right. now. Guaranteed. Um, Not many people are going to see about this because here's the setup. Jennifer Granholm, former governor of Michigan, secretary of energy, decides she wants to demonstrate to America that electric vehicles are good for you and you can trust them on a road trip. And a road trip, of course, means a trip of some distance with family. And other people might have other definitions. It could also mean with a buddy. A buddy trip, though, is usually a buddy trip. I took a buddy trip with my pal Rob area in 1978, which I'm still talking about, when I went from Massachusetts to California, and we had fun. We were kids. Road trip would and be what you didn't do to Michigan. I did not go to Michigan. People can listen to the show on the universe if they want to. Now, um, Camilla Demonsky went with Jennifer Granholm. And let me read you Camilla's bio. I think she's an earnest young spine writer. Camilla Flamiano Demonsky covers cars, energy, and the future of mobility for NPR's business desk. She covers the automotive supply chain, reporting from the salt piles of an active lithium mine and the floor of a vehicle assembly plant. She reports on what cars mean to the daily lives of the American public, whether they're buying cars, maintaining cars, or walking and biking on streets dominated by cars. She's closely tracking the automobile, the automotive industry's transformation, transformative shift towards zero-emission vehicles. She monitors the gyrations of global energy markets, explaining why price movements are happening and what it means for the world. She tracks the profits and investments of some of the world's largest energy producers as global urgency around climate mounts. As global urgency around climate mounts. Uh, she, oh my gosh. She has reported on how companies are and are not responding to the calls for a rapid energy transition. Calls for a rapid energy transition. She has reported on why a country that is remarkably vulnerable to climate change, that would be us, uh-huh. uh, would embrace oil production, and why investors, for reasons unrelated to climate change, have pushed companies to curb their output. Before she joined the business desk, Damonski was a general assignment reporter and a web producer for NPR. She covered hurricanes and elections, walruses and circuses. She has written about language, race, gender, and history. Wait,
0: a, did she cover walruses in hurricanes?
1: That's, that's in there. Okay. She has written about language, race, gender, and history. In a career highlight, she helped NPR win a pie eating contest, contest in the summer of 2018. Demonsky graduated from Davidson College in North Carolina, where she majored in English with a focus on modern poetry. All right, I am not ragging on, on a young reporter. Camilla Demonsky is probably under thirty. Would you guess? Hundred percent. Yes. And and all of her tips, all of her signals are, I am a lefty. But we know that NPR is of the left. They are of the center left, but they are of the left. And I love Steve Inskeep. He'll be on in a few weeks with his new book. And I love a lot of people at NPR, but they are left wing. So Jennifer Granholm my my assumption is Jennifer Granholm wants to take a road trip in an EV to prove to everyone in middle America, center right America that they should buy EVs and she t- she handpicks a young reporter. Now let's go through this article. I don't I hope we have enough time for this. When Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm set out on a 4-day electric vehicle road trip this summer, 4 days. She knew charging might be a challenge, but she probably didn't expect anyone to call the cops. Okay, that's a good lead. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good lead. I got to say, right? Oh yeah. I I would not normally have any problem with this lead. I do have a problem with the nut graph, which is next. Granholm's trip through the southeast from Charlotte to Memphis, Tennessee. What's wrong with that picture?
0: Charlotte to Memphis, Tennessee? Yeah. Uh that's I, I don't know. What, what what do you think is wrong with that? That's, that's it's a one-day trip. Well, yeah, it's I-40. It's, I- it's it's what? It's, uh, it's Can you look 500, it up on 500
1: miles? I don't know. I don't even know if it's 500 miles. I don't have Schroeder around here. What in the world do people think that is? What in the world do they think? Is that a road trip? Charlotte to Memphis, Tennessee. Was intended to draw attention to the billion... It's billions.
0: 619 miles, so it's a... It, I mean, to be fair, it's it's a two-day drive. I mean, if you really wanted to pound it through... I do
1: that back and forth to Maine twice a year. It's a one-day From trip. where? From Virginia to Maine. 600 miles one way? Yeah.
0: Okay, so if you average 70, 75...
1: It's a 10-hour trip. It's a 12-hour trip. Okay, with a couple I breaks. I used to drive yeah. from Warren to Boston... Four times a year and not blink. People go from San Diego to San Francisco without blinking. Okay. Four days, though. It might be a two-day trip. It's
0: it's It may, at the most, it's a two-day trip. Four yeah. days, you're stopping for every ball of yarn.
1: Yeah, okay. and and so four days, poor, uh, the intended to draw attention to the billions of dollars the White House is pouring in, blah, blah, blah. On town hall stops along a road trip, which may explain the four days.
0: Oh, by the way. It may be four days in an
1: EV because you
0: have to stop every hundred miles to there charge it. There might be, it.
1: but we don't. We that that's my problem. They do not tell us. They do. They never tell us how many times did they stop, how long did it take to recharge the car. I got to get to that. We're going to run out of time. Yeah, yeah. So go we ahead. Don't wanna keep it, so I want to get to this. Um, I rode along with Granum during our trip, eager to see firsthand how the White House intends to promote a potentially transformative initiative on the public. Granholm is in many ways the perfect person to help pitch. Again, more on her. I don't know why. She's a longtime EV enthusiast. That doesn't make her the perfect person to pitch. You want a skeptic to pitch. Uh, But between stop and then a second time, she tells us, that makes her uniquely well-positioned. So she says she may be the perfect person, and then she said she's uniquely well-positioned. Between stops, at times to grapple with the limitations of the present, like when her caravan of EVs, including a luxury Cadillac Lyric, a hefty Ford F one hundred and fifty and an affordable Bolt uh, electric utility vehicle was planning to fast charge in Grovetown, a suburb of Augusta, Georgia. Her advancing, maybe she didn't go direct because you don't go to ten, Charlotte. To, to, it's I forty.
0: It, it, is Augusta, it's, it's,
1: Georgia it's, it's, on I forty?
0: I think so. It's it's, okay. it's not too far off it. Okay. But okay. I, it, Charlotte hits uh, I forty going west, goes right through Memphis. All
1: right. Her advance team realized there wasn't going to be enough plugs to go around. One of the station's four chargers was broken. The others were occupied. So an energy department staffer tried parking a non-electric vehicle by one of those with working chargers to reserve a spot for the approaching secretary of energy. That did not go down well. A regular gas-powered car blocked the only free spot for a charger question mark. In fact, a family that was boxed out on a sweltering day with a baby in the vehicle was so upset they decided to get the authorities involved. They called the police. The sheriff's office couldn't do anything. It's not illegal for a non-EV to claim a charging spot Uh in Georgia. Energy department staff scrambled to smooth over the situation, including sending other vehicles to slower chargers until both the frustrated and the family and the secretary had room to charge. Um... You don't we think- don't hear anything else about the family. No. Nothing else. No, no, no. The- no, no, no. So um, then we, I drive in an electric vehicle myself. I've test-driven many more as NPR's auto reporter. I know how easy it can be to charge when everything goes well and how annoying it can be when things go poorly. Okay, so she puts that in there. But she doesn't tell us the details. So what do you think actually happened on this?
0: They got to a charging station that probably somebody drove off after having the charger in the car and not realizing that the charger is still attached to the car and yanked it off the, the, uh, you know, broke the, broke the end plug off it. So now they've got a, a, a defective one. They're shorthanded. They show up. They need to reserve the spot. Waiting for the next car to show up, so they put a gas-powered car there. Because it's 104 degrees, the car is burning gas idling to run the air conditioner. It is a four-wheeled generator occupying a parking stall, waiting for uh, an EV to show up and do it. Meanwhile, this poor mom and this poor family
1: can't. It's just grand.
0: It's it's the great. It, it, it's a great well, story in
1: the world. What I want to point out to people is. Most of us do not have advanced teams. No. No. Okay. No. So most of us not You don't can't have advanced scout teams. ahead 50 miles, 100 to miles to the road. Find out where the EV is. Now, I know you've got a working lots of apps. A working EV. A working EV. Now, I know that you've got apps out there that can tell you where they are, but you may not make it. Number 2. This is my fundamental problem. She's a young reporter, it's a great story, it's a, it's a PR stunt. NPR is subsidized by the federal government. NPR is subsidized by the federal government just like EVs. Camilla is a lefty. Camilla has written this to tell the truth. It was a screw-up. But she doesn't tell us the whole story. If they had brought along Jack Butler, now head of, say, National Review Online, Jack Butler, who was previously an intern on this program, I would be more trusting of this. Right? But we also might know what it's all about at the end of this, at the end of this article, she says, ask Homicetta Green. I met her when she was sitting on a curb in the back corner of a Walmart parking lot parked right next to Home, waiting for her Volkswagen ID.4 to charge. Green, a 79-year-old retired t- teacher, frequently makes a six-hour drive from her home in Louisville, Kentucky to her hometown in Holly Springs, Mississippi. It was hot that day. Hot, hot. You ever tried to fry an egg on the sidewalk? Green asked me. She wished out loud for a charging station in a park with a bench in the shade. I asked her, so we don't know how long she's been doing. So not tell us that again. I asked her how she likes her SUV, and the answer sums up the anxieties and the hopes of built up by administration in the auto industry. It's not enough chargers over on the major highways. And she said charging is, quote, kind of slow. Other than that, I wouldn't take 100000 for this car. She said, smiling from ear to ear. We love it. We love electric. You want you to know what other detail is actually a
0: salient detail that is left out of this story? What? You don't know a thing about electric vehicles. Nothing. Okay? I don't know anything about but, cars. But you can intuit this. I trust that you can intuit this and probably get pretty close. It's a It's a binary answer. Do you think an electric vehicle is more or less efficient- the hotter it is outside. Oh, it breaks down. It doesn't hold a charge as long. It's not as efficient on the charge that you give it. It I've
1: been told told this to a layman. Don't drive it on cold or hot days. Right. Doesn't work. Because
0: it doesn't have the same range. It loses range with extremes in temperature,
1: right? Yeah. So what I try and tell people is electric vehicles are like trains. They work in some places. They work in California where you've got short a lot. Short stops,
0: a lot, of, a lot of city driving, short stops, back and forth, golf cart runs. You betcha. That's
1: what you and, want. And by the way, I, I lived in the desert for a while, and there were golf carts everywhere, which are electric vehicles, the original electric vehicles. And old folks drive them around on the streets. They're annoying as can be, but they work. And anyone who's ever charged a golf cart knows that, that electric vehicles can work. You just don't want to take a golf cart 700 miles.
0: Second quick question to just judge your intuition. On the range of an electric vehicle, if it is a hot day, set aside the recharging and how well it holds a charge. Are you going to use the climate control system, meaning the air conditioner, inside that electric vehicle? Of course. Is that going to affect the range? Yeah, but I don't know by how much. It's going to affect the range. The more more you use the interior, the more you use the electronics
1: inside... That's coming off of the battery. Essentially, I knew this is why I asked Twain to do this. Dwayne's a car guy. He's approaching it like a car guy. What else would you want to know as a car guy? Would you want to know what happened to the other four electric vehicles? Absolutely. I'd want to
0: know which one got the most range and, which one, and how often they had to stop. And if they had to stop sooner than previously anticipated because they didn't have the charge and were afraid to go f- from one stop to the next
1: town and be caught. So if you were That's the not, problem. if you were not writing this for NPR, uh, if you were writing it for auto world or what are those magazines called? Car, car you know, Campbell's car, magazine, road and track car, uh, Carter and That's driver. A, yeah. What? how many, they would have sent an old guy, right? Who's done this a million times. Yes. And what else would they have told you? They would have told you the range that
0: the cars actually got in actual practical use if the temperature outside affected the range and how often they ran into a charging station that was not functional and if that if that changed the equation
1: of a, quote, road trip. Absolutely. I think they would have also told you the purchase price of the cars involved, the year and model of the make, what iteration it is. At least this is my understanding of car magazines. I never look at them. I, the last time I bought a car was 10 years ago and I drive old cars that don't need repair. John Campbell says I have no soul because I drive old Lexuses that, that don't need any maintenance and will go forever and will fall apart in my garage because I'm cheap. But but he's right. I don't give a dink about cars. But the the car business I've been around him enough, y- namoring, yattering, play this for him, please. I've been around John Camel, uh, uh, nattering on about cars enough to know that he would have wanted to know the speed of the car. He would have wanted to know the pickup of the car, its, its passing ability, and its windshield diameter, and all the other stuff car geeks want to know, right? No, and No. I think actually- he likes electric vehicles, too. He actually owns some. He has yeah. a, he has a four-door
0: Ford Mustang electric vehicle that he he calls it a Mustang. I just call it a four-door Ford sedan because you don't have a four-door Mustang. It,
1: I agree it, completely.
0: That doesn't work. I agree completely. So we we we've, we've been having that you know fight for Are you going to go over, over this
1: paragraph by paragraph with him?
0: Oh, I'm going to go through the story with him. Absolutely. In fact, I guarantee you, he's already read it and he'll be ready to go. Uh, and he'll ham- he'll hammer it too. Electric vehicles have their place if you're bouncing around town. They are not road trip cars. They just aren't. Electric vehicles
1: have their place if 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 you actually tell the truth about them. And this Article is a PR. It, she is not. Um, look, she's an ideologue, but I'm an ideologue. Remember, it's we, okay. Remember, we
0: saw in the New York Post last
1: year that
0: the Associated Press and other outlets were actually being paid embed money by climate change advocacy groups to write pro, uh, pro EV and pro alternative energy stories.
1: They, they. No, were, I, did, I didn't know that. But oh I yeah, did yeah, see, yeah. I hey, saw yeah. built into this. A whole bunch of assumptions, such as uh, the industry is being urged by the left, that left out the stuff by the left, by the left, by progressives, by climate uh, people. Now, I went hiking yesterday uh, with the Fetching Museum. This is what I want to land this, stick the point on here. And we went to a place in Maine. We're going to get battered by a hurricane this week, by the way. And we found, of rocks and hemlock, we were in a park, a state park. And are the, the remnants of Lee gonna hit you? Yeah, oh, oh Lee might be a direct hit on it's probably a ten percent chance, but we'll see. Um this is uh this is the note. The boulders on the floor of this hemlock forest remind us that we are living in an ice age. Several times in the last two point five million years, glaciers have scoured the continent. But between these glacial episodes, warming periods like the present have melted the glaciers, which advanced again when the climate turned colder. As our most recent glacier moved slowly over the state, we're in Maine, the mile-thick ice sheet bulldozed away, the soil scratched and polished the bedrock and carried off great chunks of rock. Dropping the boulders in large volumes of clay and gravel, the ice melted back from here over 13,000 years ago. The ocean followed the melting ice far behind. We were out on a peninsula, a neck into the uh, Atlantic. By 11,000 years ago, lichens, mosses, flowers, shrubs, and trees had gradually arrived. Arriving about 8,000 years ago, uh, um, trees gradually colored the barren land. Uh, then we had thin soil, mild climate, porcupines, red squirrels, and some warblers established themselves in the forest and remain today. This is the key graph. Over time, the members of this ecosystem have changed. As the climate has changed, in the future, perhaps a few thousand years from now, many scientists believe that the climate will be cool enough for another glacier to overrun this forest and to move these boulders again as the ice age continues. Uh, This is an old sign, obviously. It's not been approved by climate activists. Because if we've got an ice age coming, I don't know what we're worried about. Uh, Again, if you do not have a, a,
0: a a climate that is changing, And cyclical and cleansing itself and and getting hotter and colder and adjusting based upon the conditions. If you don't have a climate that's constantly changing, you have kind of by
1: definition a dead planet. So I'm not a climate change denier. The climate is changing right now. It is getting hotter, rather significantly hotter. The oceans are rather hot. Um, I, I don't object to anything that makes sense. But EVs don't make sense to me. And the war on oil makes no sense to me. As we talked about today, oil is going to be at $100 a barrel by the end of this year if Saudi Arabia and Russia get their way. And people are going to start feeling it again. And they might start buying EVs again because buying an EV is, for most Americans, for the vast majority of the world, an economic proposition. It is not a, a feel good proposition. Do you know? It, it, it's
0: not even it's not even a for the benefit of the climate thing because the production of the of the battery elements that have to go into that EV are not done here. They are done by the CCP in China. And the factory conditions and the labor conditions and what has to happen to make those batteries is more polluting to the atmosphere then what you would do with a gas-powered you're, car? You're here. a
1: high-information uh, consumer. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you. It's. I'm just, no, I'm just telling you, if, if you're going into a car lot, yes. and you have a limited budget, and you got to buy a car, and you're offered either a used EV or a used gasoline car. A gas-powered powered you, car any day of the week. That's what, Any now, day of the week. I'd, now, you're upper-middle class or wealthy, and you walk on, and you want to buy an EV, a new EV, or a new gasoline car, what do you want to know? An
0: EV, I want to know how new it is because I need to know how long the clock is before I have to be faced with the replacement of those batteries. In I six hadn't even seven thought years. about that.
1: Well, I don't. How often do you have to replace about a seven years?
0: Whereas, whereas, whereas the truck I just bought this last year—you uh, bought a truck, a 2018 Ford F-150 truck. Yes, you
1: dummy. Why? Well, they're expensive as can be. No, a no, to no. operate. No, my commute's five miles, but I, well, it doesn't matter per mile. It's still more expensive you know, than it's if you not. bought a no. It's Hugo. Not.
0: No, it's not. No, it's not. But the difference the difference in cost to me over time is is insignificant for the amount of miles I drive. If if you want to talk an absolute econo model car. I would have to drive a fifty-mile commute or a seventy-mile commute to make that actually make sense. It, it it doesn't make sense for for a short commute. It doesn't matter. All
1: right, so so matter. Let, let's 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 land in oh, here. You're going to talk with Campbell about this Monday, not oh, uh, Tuesday. Oh yeah, I want to come back and make part three on Wednesday because I have more questions. This is already beginning to generate interest online. Uh, you had, you had seen it before we be on the broadcast, right? Oh yeah. It's
0: cuz it's such it's such a ridiculous self-owning silly
1: story. Uh, it it's a stunt that went bad. Yes. And it would have been much worse if they brought along reporters who are mildly skeptical. I'm mildly skeptical of EV, mildly. Because I I I wouldn't I don't know what to do with a flat tire anyway, so I wouldn't know what to do with an EV that goes wrong. So I'm a mild skeptic anyway. And I would have liked to know, I really would have liked to know, would the average American family ever touch an EV if they ever want to go on a road trip? But no. we didn't learn from this article. They handpicked a reporter right. who produced not a press release. It's not a press release. It's well written, but we don't know the name of the family. I would love to talk to that family, wouldn't you?
0: Yes, and and the answer is unless you literally map it out like you have to do in the old days where you know you were on route 66 and and you could only go so far at a time and you you had to go from stop to stop and and rest a, a period you've got to map out if you're going to do a road trip in an ev with your family you have to literally map it out almost mile by mile to give yourself a range of where you think you may have to stop to recharge Whereas a gas car, you can pull over anytime, anywhere, and get gas and just go.
1: You don't yeah, have, unless, it's, uh, one, it, unless you're going across the Mojave. Right. But even then, I mean. Last chance for gas is a real thing. Sure.
0: I've got a 32-gallon tank. I can get from here to New Mexico before I'd have to, re- to but, pass
1: up. But if you run out of gas, pretty much anyone can come and help you. Correct. That's the, that's the key takeaway America. Right. I've only run out of gas once when the gas gauge broke in my Dodge Dart. Right. is not AAA is not going to come bring you a new battery. Yeah, and, you, you and, just call somebody and and they bring you gas. Right. That is, they cannot bring you a, a new battery. I, I shouldn't say that. I don't know that. Can tri- can AAA bring you an EV charger?
0: Uh I don't I they can they can try to charge it but I don't know very many that have Onboard batteries that that have. Would you ask
1: Campbell that tomorrow if he knows everything about cars? He ought to know whether or not AAA can charge your car if it runs out of a charge. Okay. That's it for today's Grand Old Pod. This is a three-parter. We'll be back to talk about the uh, not-so-well-reported but beautifully written about road trip of Jennifer Old. Thank you for listening, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. That was Dwayne Patterson. Go subscribe to the... Tell your friends about the universe, especially the car brand. And I will talk to you to, uh, on Wednesday on the next Grand Old Pod.
0: Come on. You're a live dog first pony soldier. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about? a bunch of stuff come on so how do you feel about the listeners to this program joe beyond the pay and the truth is we don't very well know how to rehabilitate them literally i give myself three four sorry joe it's the after show Bro, oh, i love that i love that this is such a bad program hello everybody welcome to the after show good to have you here in the universe for a whatever day this is Uh, it's Tuesday. It's time for John Campbell. We have so, so much to do. So yesterday on the grand old pod, if you were listening, Hugh, unbeknownst to me going into this, uh, brought up a story. I had given him, you know, grand old pod, right? I'm supposed to get everything that every Republican says from the campaign trail, all 30 cuts over the weekend. He marches through them End of pod. So he comes on he says, "I'm throwing that all out the window. I got one story today and one story only and I'm bringing Dwayne on and I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" He brings up this road trip and I say, "Road trip in 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 scare quotes." It says road trip from Charlotte to Memphis, which is about 600 miles On I-40, allegedly...
2: It's not... Let me interrupt you right there. I looked it up. Since she went down to Augusta, Yeah, while while I was listening to it yesterday, I pulled up a map to look at it. So uh, she took something from... Because it was Charlotte. Isn't that where they started?
0: Yeah, Charlotte to to Memphis is where it was supposed to go. Yeah, but to go down to
2: Augusta, and then from there, it's like the 25 or something that goes, that winds around through Georgia and Mississippi and then comes up into Memphis. So it, it was not the straight shot. Just, just let's, okay. let's not be like Chuck Todd. Oh, do we have to do a requiem for Chuck Todd? Maybe next week. No. Was, was it Sunday? His last, um, uh, meet the, the, uh, Palm pilot of news shows program.
0: <laughs> yes. I Yes. I believe it was. And until this thing with you
2: came up yesterday, I thought today we needed to have a requiem for Chuck Todd. But maybe we'll hold that off to next week. So, uh, But we we need a requiem for Chuck Todd now that he has passed into the great beyond of leftist uh, uh, commentators, which doesn't mean he's dead, by the way. No, he's, no, no. He's far, he's, he's,
0: he's far he, from dead. He, he's far from dead. And I'm not even sure he's gone. He's definitely not forgotten, as you can tell by the bells. Um, yes,
2: but a- anyway, so we don't want to be like him and lie with everything. So it was not the 600 miles straight shot on the whatever it was road from. It's still uh, not a four day Charlotte trip to Memphis. He, they, he went down to Augusta, took something else, and from Augusta took something that went along and then went up. So maybe it's 800 miles. Okay, I don't know how much more it added. Would I didn't it, look at. Would
0: enough. it take you four days to make that journey?
2: No, 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 no. But presumably, again. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt for the moment, and then we'll, we'll get into okay. the, the, the details here. But perhaps they were planning to stop and have, you know, press events or speeches or something, uh, along at various cities along the way, which happened to also be where they could charge the cars. Of course, I'm sure that was not coincidental, but, right. um, but, but I'm, I'm sure they weren't. Their their plan was not to get in and see how fast they could do it, right. like some people do for road and track car and driver and stuff. But it was to make it an event for for press purposes. But,
0: okay. So the article is written in NPR. It's written by Camilla Dominowski, who has a pedigree of writing in and EV and basically left wing cause type stories. If you look at her bio picture, she's straight out of central casting for an NPR. She's slender, long, uh, uh dark hair, large glasses, and looks like she came out of Wellesley. I mean, she's just like and
2: and, and like thirty something, and thir- right, or and twenty 30, something?
0: Yeah, late twenties, early thirties, right? You know, just standard casting for for a J school lefty. And so she's on this road trip, and there's lots of different angles to to go at this story there's the angle of the collusion between government and media to do agenda journalism which we should cover there's the actual trip itself and and how she actually covered the trip there's the EVs themselves and their limitations and whether she gave uh, their limitations short shrift in the story um There's, I mean, there's all sorts of ways to do it. So I'm just going to step back and give you the, the, you know, the runway. Initially, you read the column, you heard the podcast yesterday. So how do you want to kind of work into this story? And then we'll start, we'll start, uh, you know, doing the, the, the the coroner's report on it.
2: Okay. So first of all, she's a, a lefty, this reporter, as you say, she's with NPR. Who funds NPR?
0: Well, you and I do
2: the government well
0: yeah you and i, I do I mean, ultimately
2: right but we don't give them the money directly correct we give the money the government and and the government we funds NPR. We, we funnel it through so, the,
0: we funnel it through the funnel it through the uh through the biden crime family presently
2: okay well there you go so um so this is the funders of npr telling npr come Cover us because what we 're doing we want to have coverage, and so come cover us so so that 's first of all it 's government uh, media and even though Chuck Todd is effectively government media with the the government we currently have, uh, this is truly government media i mean this is this is true media funded completely by government uh, doing this but so why did she even write this? It was not um, i mean why did she write about the problems they had. She went to a charging station, and you know uh, they had to—they couldn't charge their cars. There were other cars there; they uh, that weren't supposed to be there. They um, couldn't—you um, know—there was a family that needed to charge their car to go on, and and because uh, uh, Grandholm was there and her entourage was there, they couldn't charge, so they were stuck and couldn't go anywhere. It wasn't complimentary. I mean, it was not in the end complimentary. So why would this NPR reporter write that? Well, what she wants is she wants another, oh, I don't know, probably fifty billion, 100 billion, 200 billion, maybe five hundred billion, who knows? Um, of government money that's borrowed. When you say it's you and I, by the way, it's actually uh, when you look Chinese. at it today, it's borrowed. It's not your and my money. Your and my money yeah. is gone. Before you get done with Social Security yeah. it, and, and, and Medicare, most of what the government spends now is not your and my money. It's borrowed.
0: OK, you, so you, it, it, you and I have you and I owe. Actually, you and I owe about another 19 grand apiece to just to cover how much they've overspent the last two years alone. Let alone. I actually,
2: I actually read today it's fifteen thousand dollars just for this year.
0: Yeah, uh, just
2: for this current fiscal year. Well, per person,
0: but but that is that assuming we hit two trillion. I mean, that because we haven't. Actually, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's
1: I'm, assuming I'm counting, we hit the two trillion. I'm counting but, we owe fifteen
0: um, just for twenty two and twenty one. Yeah. Well. Anyway, um,
2: what she probably wants to show is that the infrastructure for the charging network is is insufficient. And therefore, you need the government to come in and build a whole bunch more chargers and have them everywhere and have them free, because otherwise we're going to have carbon pollution. And we're all going to die. And so I'm sure that's the message of the thing. But here's what I want to point out. Oh, and by the way, one of the thing I want to point out, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. Mr. Hewitt said that I say he has no soul. That is actually not true. Ooh. What I said was that Mr. Hewitt buys cars that have no soul.
0: Oh well, see, uh, yes.
2: Because because all he wants the white refrigerator of cars, uh, the the white you know the Kimmore washing machine refrigerator, the, the of washing cars. machine
0: of cars. It's yes,
2: just an appliance does the job. Yes. doesn't care what it looks like, doesn't care how it feels, doesn't care what it does. Clean dirty, it does, clean
0: dirty. It doesn't matter.
2: Right. So so he buys cars on purpose that aren't completely without soul. My, I buy cars, only cars that have soul. And
0: a lot of people. That buy is cars. not true. They, that, fact check. That is not true because I have seen your four door electric Ford sedan. There is not an ounce of soul in that car. That is a complete that, sellout to all things woke. There is no soul in that. It sacrificed its soul. The soul of Ford is in a two door gas powered <laughs> Mustang not a four-door sedan. Don't give me this horse shit about you only buy cars with soul, because that's not true. You buy a lot of cars with soul, not that one.
2: I'm afraid I will have to beg to differ uh, with that argument. It still has a Mustang soul to it, but that's neither here nor there. We're talking about Mr. Hewitt, <laughs> so I want to make it clear. I, I, I listened to him yesterday. I'm sure he won't listen today, but maybe in the morning you can tell him, that I never said he has no soul, his cars have no soul. So now that we've clarified that, um, uh, the cars they chose, they chose a Cadillac Lyric, General Motors. Right. They chose a Chevy Bolt, General Motors, and they chose a Ford F-150 Lightning. Lightning. Yeah. Um, there is a reason they chose those particular cars. Uh, why did they not choose a Mustang Mach-E
0: like I have, for example? Um probably because they can't uh, be, uh I don't No.
2: Know. No. You you don't know made in Mexico with non-union labor.
0: Okay? Oh. So
2: every car they picked was a US-made vehicle, union labor. Now, what's the best charging system in the country? It's Tesla. Uh why is Tesla the best charging system in the country? Because Elon made a decision years ago. That in order to sell his cars, he would need to provide charging so people could take them outside of the area where they live.
0: He had and to create he has his done
2: own that infrastructure. Very effectively. Right. Very effectively. And if you have a Tesla, you can drive that thing. I talked to somebody who actually drove one from DC to LA and you can actually do that. It takes a lot longer because, you know, it, it's still not five minutes to fill up your tank. You still have to wait several hours for the thing to charge okay each time you stop but there are places to stop there are places to charge and you have to partic- uh, you have, have to map to it you have
0: to plan it
2: right you have to plan it and by the way there's websites that'll do that for you but when you go to a tesla charging station the chargers work why do they work because there is a private company there that has an incentive to make them work because if they don't work you as a customer will be pissed you will not like your tesla you will tell your friends Tesla suck and people will not buy Teslas and Tesla will go out of business. So therefore, Tesla uh, puts a lot of charging stations everywhere and keeps them going. And they're so efficient and effective that Ford and General Motors and I think several other European manufacturers recently said, you know what, we're going to and I'm sure they're paying Tesla a bunch of money for this and said, we're going to allow our customers, we're going to switch to your charging
0: um, uh Apparatus. So Tesla's and, now become the universal, right?
2: No, because, um, not everybody's signed on. There's okay. some others that don't want to, don't want to go with Tesla. So they're going to go other places. But GM and Ford have signed up with it and they've decided, you know what? Rather than us trying to develop our own system, um, Mercedes says they're going to set up their own charging system. All right. Good luck with that. You know, there's a fraction of the Mercedes out there that there are Teslas. Teslas has a lot more oh, cars. Yeah. To spend that over. I think, BM, is, I think BMWs that, use uh, um, the,
0: the, the Tesla chargers, I think. I think. What'd you say? I think BMWs use the, the same chargers as well, Tesla's.
2: nothing else can use them now,
0: but several
2: of these companies, maybe BMW is one of them, I yeah. know GM and Ford are, have said, have made a deal with Tesla and starting like next year, they're going to switch to the Tesla plug and then they're going to give people like me an adapter so I can use uh, my existing plug and still use the Tesla charger. Okay. But the point is Tesla chargers are everywhere. They work. Why? They're done by a private company that has a profit motive and the profit motive won't work. Uh, they will lose money if the charges don't work, et cetera. Okay. Suppose you don't have a Tesla. Um, so, so why did if Grand the grand Gran, grand grand home,
0: grand home.
2: Granholm. If Granholm wanted to, why did she not take a a Tesla? 50%, more than that, I think, 50 to 60% of all the electric cars in the United States right now are Teslas. Why did she not take a Tesla? Because they have charging station she could have gone to, and unless it was a three-day weekend, they would have been available, and she would have been able to charge, and this would not have been a problem. Because Elon Musk
0: politically has become a pariah. He has become an apostate.
2: Correct, because he has said he has registered as a Republican. But even more than that, his, all, his two plants in the United States are both non-union. And he has opposed, the company has opposed unions coming in to represent and to organize those plants. Right. So there's no way Biden's people are going to drive a car, even if it has more U.S. content, even if it works better, even if it has a charging network that, that is effective and usable if it's non-union. They will not do that. Just like Democrats, all my time when I was in office, my 14 years, Democrats would not have a meeting or a speech or a convention or anything at a hotel unless that hotel was unionized. We Republicans didn't care. We Whether it's unionized or union, we didn't care. We went to the place that gave us the best deal, you know, because we're Republicans and that's what we do. Um, and so we did not exclude union shops because they were union. They provided us a better rate. We're going there. But but that's not the way Democrats and unions work. They, so they, they act. Tesla. They act so, like they act know. like
0: Hugh does with Ohio sports. It doesn't have to be the best. It doesn't have to have the best teams, the best players. It's just the best because it's Ohio, and it must be promoted above all else because it's Ohio. It's the same mentality. So you just said that Hugh
2: Hewitt and Joe Biden are
0: pretty much. I did, didn't the I? Same. Yeah, I did. Oh, wow! I? I,
2: I hope you does. You kind of work for him,
0: don't you? <laughs> it's just kind of funny. I,
2: I, I hope he doesn't listen to this uh, tonight uh, or tomorrow. Act, actually, morning. I think he's, uh, but, actually I
0: think he is. Go ahead.
2: Okay, but anyway, so um, uh, so why we're, is is charging so bad if you don't have a test? Because all right, let's take another step back. Why is gas sta- Why do gas stations work? Gas stations are independently owned and operated, right? They own by people who have a profit motive. They want you to come. They want you to fill up gas. If you don't come and fill it up with gas, they're out of business. They go out of business. They lose their jobs. And so therefore, there's gas stations all around. And if there aren't enough, somebody who wants to make money will put one in. You know why? Because then they can make money with it. And so that's what they'll do. Profit motive, it works. It just happens to work. What are all the other charging stations in the whole country that are not Tesla? Not a single one of them has a profit motive. They were put in, most of them, were either put in by all of them actually were either put in by governments and they are operated, they, they're, they're, technically they were put in by governments and someone else operates them who has no connection, no profit motive, or they were put in by Volkswagen who with the Dieselgate scandal they had, their penance, their published punishment was they had to spend 100 million or just a whole bunch of money and put in charging stations. Right. That's all they had to do, put them in. They don't have to keep them working. So they don't. Like if I wanted to drive my Mustang Mach-E, which is currently in California, but if I wanted to drive it from there to here and back, I never have. And the reason is there's only one charging station uh, between Phoenix and Los Angeles uh, that you can use. It's in Quartzsite, Arizona. It has four chargers. The last time I looked, three of those four chargers were inoperable. Now, why are they not operable? Because Because there's no profit motive
0: to an incentive to keep them functional.
2: Correct. They're at a pilot gas station. They, they, the pilot gas station was just, they put these things in. They basically said, okay, or maybe they paid them some money to locate them on their land. And the pilot people said, okay, maybe they'll come in and buy a Mountain Dew. Or something while they're here, so no problem. But it's not theirs to maintain them and get them working. To them, it's like the money off.
0: Right. To them, Um, it's like the it's like the water and the air hose around the side of the building that you have to pay a quarter for, but doesn't work half the time because there's really no money in it. And and when it breaks down, there's yeah. We'll get around to it when we get around to it.
2: Right. And so you're saying, well, why doesn't it? If there's only the one station between Phoenix and L.A. A whole lot of people drive between Phoenix and L.A. There's now more and more electric cars out there. Why doesn't some entrepreneur come in and put in another charging station, put in 15 of them? And because where you need these are in rural areas. What they don't have in rural areas is massive electrical infrastructure. So you have to pay for these things. So you have to pay to get the electricity there. And oftentimes you have to pay the electric utility to put in a switching station, to put in a substation to handle the amount of juice that four, um, eight, 12 uh, electric vehicles trying to charge in less than two hours would have to pull. They got to have 440 volts, 880 volts, massive amounts. I'm told those things cost millions.
0: Right. Forget so- the
2: land, for, just for the electricity and the, the units. So now, what do you have to charge what, in electricity well, and, to get that money back? And
0: that's my question. So you, you've got an EV, I don't. How if you were to right. go and pay to charge up your your four door uh, Ford sedan, how much would it cost you if you pulled over to the side of the roads in you know Hell's Half Acre and you sat there for four hours or however long it takes? How much would it cost you to charge that car? It costs about the equivalent
2: about the equivalent of the price of gasoline to do it. So that's not the problem well it is the problem well no no no.
0: my my question was is it five dollars is it ten dollars how much does it cost to charge a a car on a a charge if you're out on the road oh
2: yeah it's gonna cost 25 50 bucks okay so 25
0: to 50 bucks if that's what you're getting let's say you overcharge it and you get 30 or 35 bucks if you're out in the middle of the desert right How many $35 charges do you have to make? How many transactions do you need to recoup the millions of dollars to bring in the power to begin with?
2: That's the point. You can't. That $35 charge has to be about $200 or $250. Which no one is going to pay. To make it worthwhile. So it doesn't pencil. It just doesn't pencil. And so nobody will do it. So that's why no private entrepreneur anywhere, no company... The only reason these are being put in is with the Volkswagen money, which is effectively government mandated, or it's government money. Now Tesla has done it. It's extortion money, is what it is. Their cars, yeah. And Mercedes claims they're going to do it, but again, Mercedes is going to do it only for Mercedes. They say they're not going to make it open to everybody else, and so and they're going to build that into the price of their cars. So this is all. So the whole reason I'm mentioning this. This was a really long diatribe, and I hope we didn't have too many people click out and get bored and go away. But because the point of all this, and I'm only telling you, I know all this stuff pretty well. Clearly, Mr. Hewitt does not. But that's okay. That's why he teed us up for today. I don't know as much about law as he does. So it all works. But anyway, um, it uh, the reality is, is that the economics of electric cars, both from buying them, remember, uh, Rivian's losing $87,000 a unit. Ford's losing $60,000 a unit right now. Every car manufacturer except Tesla is losing money per unit on their EVs right now. And Tesla's margins are getting smaller and smaller and smaller because they're having to cut the price. So the the economics of EVs have big, big problem. Not just the purchase and construction of them uh, and the batteries, but from this infrastructure point of where do you charge them outside of your own home and how can you use them for travel uh, away from the city in which you live all the way to what are you going to do with the disposal of the batteries at the end of the the battery's life and who's going to pay for that and what do you do with a car that when the battery gets old and it's seven, eight, nine, ten years old and you know the average car on the road in the United States now is getting towards like 17, 18 years. There's a, a regular internal combustion engine cars are lasting 20 years. I got a yep. couple of 20-year-old cars out here and not just collector cars. They're just they're just cars that I like that were built 20 years ago, and you can just they keep started making those they actually
0: started making them pretty good.
2: They're making them pretty good and you can keep them going for a long, long time. And so, you know, an EV after the battery goes bad. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 years, whatever, somewhere in that range, battery ain't going to work. Um, and 50% of the cost of that vehicle is the battery. So most cars 20 years on, 15 years on, aren't worth more than 50% of what they were new. Right. So what do you do? You, it, it, it's not worth it to put a brand new battery in it, so you're probably going to junk the car. So that's a big problem. So there's a lot of problems with the economics of this. And that's why if governments keep subsidizing, subsidizing, the subsidies could go on forever. They will get deeper and wider and go on. And there's the whole question whether this is helping the climate in any way at all, period, even if you believe in this garbage. But even taking that aside, um, uh, if governments keep trying to subsidize this to cover up these economic problems, they'll only dig the hole deeper. And they just need to let the market play out on these things there is a, a use for them. As you said on the podcast yesterday, there is a place for them. And let them have that place. Let them go along. And if the market can figure out a way to get them to 50% of the market, God bless them. You know, that's great. If, if people do this on their own without government subsidies and companies build them, great. That's great. But for, for the federal government or any government to just throw money at this problem, it's, it's an endless money pit at the moment. And when you throw money at it, like with these, these charging infrastructure that's out there, you know, if the if government or Volkswagen through, through the government uh, mandated by the government went in and spent $2 million on that charger in courtside, Arizona and, and it doesn't work. What really happened to that $2 million? It's gone. They yeah. threw it away. Yeah. It's junk. They, they, they basically lit it on fire. And now I understand the government does that with money every day um, in in massive amounts, but we don't need to find new ways to light money on fire. And that's what this is.
0: So let's get back. uh, We'll get back to uh, the kind of the agenda journalism side of this in a minute. But the overall uh, uh, purpose of the piece was to try to show how normal Taking long trips in EVs can be today, let alone what their, what their fantasy is down the road, what they think it's going to be. They think it's it, you know, tomorrow is today is, is what the, what this piece was supposed to try to be. It's not as they found out with kind of, you know, comedic results, but the problem with the EVs to me is the range of these is. Completely different based upon all sorts of outside factors that gas powered cars, you don't have to worry about. Meaning, if you, if you fill up, if you fill up the tank of my truck and started to go on a trip, is my range in a, you're the car guy in a gas powered truck. Is my range going to be subsequently or significantly changed, shortened or lengthened based upon weather conditions, how cold or how hot it is outside?
2: only by if it's very hot not if it's cold, but if it's very hot
0: and you run the air conditioner
2: uh air conditioners or if it's cold and and you run run your heater through the the, the compressor, which would be dumb but, sure um but but oh if it's hot as you know, if you run an air conditioner in and a internal combustion car, it costs you about ten percent of your fuel mileage. okay so if it's very hot you're gonna lose um you know. One, two, three miles per gallon. Um, if it if you're running the air conditioner versus not running the air conditioner
0: in an electric. Other than that, no change. Other than in an EV, what's the ratio? What Same they parameters. Said is that
2: in uh, by independent studies is that in weather below uh, I think it's about thirty degrees, basically below freezing that it drops the range 40%.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Not, it, not 4%, not 14, 40, 4-0%. So you get almost, almost half the range is gone. Right.
2: And in weather above 100, it drops it by about 25%. Uh, and the reason for this is that batteries operate at an operating temperature. If you ever notice, if you get your iPhone really hot...
0: It turns off.
2: It turns off. It won't work. Because it's not just car battery, any battery. If the battery is too hot or or too cold, it will not work. And the thing does not function. So the car has to use a lot of energy to keep the battery at an operating temperature. Now, what's really bad, even worse, and this happened a lot this last winter, when it was quite cold in um, the... uh, uh, in a lot of the upper Midwest, yep, and there were a number of reports, not in Teslas, Mustang Machis, everything else, when it was ten below, you know, and fifteen below.
0: Yep, I know. I think I know it, where you're going with this.
2: People would go to grandma's house, and they'd come out, and the car's a brick. You, it, you cannot drive it. It will not work uh, because there isn't enough energy outside the battery to warm the battery up to operating temperature so it can use the battery. So um, these people were bricked. They literally couldn't drive until it got warmer, and then they could drive it. The same thing would happen here if I took my Mustang Mach-E on a day when it's 120 and parked it outside in the sun. If it's under the shade, it'll be okay. But if it's outside in the sun, that battery... Uh, pack is going to get to 135 140 145 degrees and it won't work and so it will break and 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 it won't uh operate let me give let
0: me give you another let me give you another scenario let's say you are in a winter type state the upper midwest uh the atlantic seaboard it will tend to snow periodically uh, throughout parts of the year will it not the roads can get somewhat icy in in many parts of the country during the winter how do they it does that? How, how do they melt the ice on the roads to keep you from sliding everywhere? What, what do they What do they uh, deploy in order to keep the roads kind of clean? Besides snow plows, that would be road salt. Road salt, salt. Now, when that salt mixes with the ice, it melts the ice into water, so it runs off, and that salt water tends to kind of fly around when tires go on it, and it kind of goes underneath the carriage of the cars. Now. In a traditional car, it's not cool. It's not fun to have, you know, rusted out undercarriages. There's lots of cars that have, uh, you know, undercarriage spray that you, that you treat so you don't have the, the, the chassis rust out from under you. But in an electric vehicle, is there an extra complication if you are running over de- you know, road salted, um, uh, runoff roads?
2: Yes, because if it gets into the battery, gets gets through the the case that the battery's in, uh, it starts a fire. And one of the things that has been discussed lately, um, during the hurricane, um, uh, I, I think it was last year's Tampa hurricane. I don't think I've heard anything of this one that happened up in Big Ben just last month. But last year's Tampa hurricane, I think some 20 five EVs that were left behind, seawater comes in, seawater comes up. Obviously, it's going to get in. You know, those are not. They're not uh, waterproof. uh, They're not waterproof completely. So the water got in, particularly if it went up above, it got in, and it starts a fire. And these EVs spontaneously caught on fire. And then you can't put them out because water won't put them out. Um, the foam doesn't get to where it needs to to put it out because it's inside. So they have to just let them sit there for days. They have to isolate them. They have to out.
0: isolate them in an impound lot in a large dirt lot out by themselves, and they just have to flame themselves out until they, they finish. They finish burning. Right
2: now, one of the things the car manufacturers are talking about, and some people are saying, is well, uh, what we need to do. Is we need to encase these batteries in a, in, a, in a case that is thicker, more durable, that salt water can't get through, and that blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. So, what does that do? It adds to a car that's cars that are already very heavy, which is a problem with EVs, by the way. It's add weight um, and cost. Uh, and,
0: and, then, and then, if you've got to, if you've got to maintain them and you've got to go into them, you've got to crack open of, of an airtight case.
2: Right. So it, so it takes a vehicle that's already exceptionally heavy and exceptionally expensive and makes them heavier and more expensive. And the heavy is a problem too, by the way, if you haven't seen that, um, you know, one of the things they're always saying they want to tax big trucks more because heavier vehicles tear up roads. Yep. Well, you know, the lightest EV out there is 4,000 pounds. The Hummer, the, uh, the GMC Hummer is almost 10,000 pounds. Um, you know your average Honda Civic is three thousand or twenty eight hundred or something like that, or Honda Accord, whatever. So these cars are much, multi- much, much, much heavier than your average car. So they're going to tear up streets some more. And The other thing they're doing is there are some parking structures weren't made for something as big as an F one fifty Lightning, or I don't you haven't read this, yeah. Oh, that's so there's great. there's some parking structures now in cities that are saying no EVs. Because they now, can't handle the weight. Uh, uh, my must my Mustang Mach-E is 5,000 pounds or 5,200. That's heavy, but it's not any heavier than, a, you know, probably your F-150. Right. Okay. Um, uh, uh, you know, a full-size F-150. 4x4, four four, ex- sure. Or, or a Suburban. Sure. Suburban. It's not any heavier than that. But a lot of these big new SUV things that are electric.
0: Like the that Cadillac. Escalade, that, like the Cadillac. that, Yeah. yeah.
2: The electric Cadillac stuff like that—they're—they're—they're putting up signs in these things that you can't drive them in there because they may fall through the structure. (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. You know, it's uh, Um, um, there's a lot of issues. uh,
0: Again, you're you're the car guy. I'm asking the questions. Hugh's going to go back and listen to this. Gas-powered F one hundred and fifty versus a F one hundred and fifty Lightning, all electric. Okay, same same truck. One's gas, yeah. one's electric, so they've got different weight. Same tires are on it. Uh, you could have Jeep... Ran- no, or- no, they're. I don't think they're the same tires. You sure? I
2: don't think they're the same tires. I Most EVs have their own special tires, which, by the way, are more expensive than <laughs> uh, so when you come to replace tires because they're low rolling resistance to increase range.
0: Because otherwise, what happens? Otherwise, you have less range. So, One, you have less so, range, and two, because of the weight of the car, don't you wear through the tires faster? Just because oh, of the uh, weight? yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That that yeah, you'll wear through tires faster. And you know they are coming out with some of these off-road EVs. So you can't put a low rolling resistance tire. You got to have a knobby tire on that, but that's going to kill the range. So what are they doing? They're just putting more and more battery in it, making them heavier. Okay. Well, you know I what. what if you're if you're off road, you're in sand, you're in mud, you don't want heavy. That, that's that's, you
0: know. Yeah, you anyway. you need to be oh, well. light and nimble. Okay, now uh, second second comparison. But, but you should know most EVs
2: do have their own do have specific EV tires that have a lower roll, rolling resistance to increase the rain. Okay. Which means which means by the way they have
0: less grip. Which means they have so. less. Okay, that's that's fine. Uh so so on wet roads they're a little more slick. That's correct. Okay. Now, if you've got to stop these suckers and you need brakes. Now, what do we use typically for brakes uh brake pads on on most commercial vehicles these days. What's what's the component What, you- what what's the component that that's on the on the brake pads? What What the,
2: Oh, on the pad?
0: Yeah. What what what's the what's the material they use on the pads that actually stops the car on the rotors what's what well
2: i you tell me it used to be asbestos it's not anymore
0: it's not anymore but whatever that stuff is it creates dust as it grinds itself down as you stop these things right right? do you do you go through brakes faster or slower gas powered versus evs you will go through them much slower
2: in an ev and here's the thing i knew that's not the answer you expected. But again, you're getting, uh, uh, because I'm not Chuck Todd, you're getting the real answers here. EVs um, have uh, the, what they call regenerative braking. So when you lift, all of them have it. When you lift off the accelerator, it basically reverses the motor and allows the car to Charge. use the, the engine motor to bring energy back into the battery as you're slowing down and most EVs, the two I have, have this, you can adjust that and you can make it. So like when the captain, Mrs. Campbell drives my Mustang Mach-E, she wants it to drive like a regular car. So I put the minimum amount of regeneration in there so that she get, it's it. When she lifts it, it feels like what she's used to when, when you lift in a gas car, which is the compression of the motor slows it down a little, but, um, but not a whole lot. And then she steps on the brake. So what you're thinking is it's a heavier car. It'll take more brake to slow it down. And that's true. But um, if you set it for the higher, the regenerative uh, level, which I do the last time I drove my Mach E, uh, I didn't touch the friction brake because I know to lift where to lift and it will stop you all by itself. Um, from the regenerative braking, I would guess I'll get, if I owned that car that long, I'll get, I wouldn't have to replace those brakes before I'd have to replace the battery. Okay. So, so that is actually an advantage uh, of EVs is that, but you do have to get used to it because when you lift, man, it, it, if you set it for what's called one pedal driving, um, you, you lift and it's, it's noticeable. I mean, it, it's like you're stepping on the brake more than just a little in a in a regular gasoline car and so you you notice it and um and so uh and and so you do that because hey it puts battery back in charge back in the battery so you get more range and second you don't use the friction brakes so you don't have to so that's another thing you know you use friction brakes brake dust comes off the wheels get dirty i'm fanatic about keeping my cars clean I would imagine Mr. Hewitt probably doesn't care. Well, I just
0: was thinking I that never... brake desk isn't, isn't good for the environment when it runs off into, you know, into stuff either. I mean, you're right. They used to use asbestos. Yeah,
2: yeah but I don't have to clean the front wheels of my, of my electric car like ever because I hardly ever use the brake. The okay. only time you use the brake, somebody pulls in front of you and you actually have to stop faster than it'll stop you. Then I use the friction brake. Okay, last... that, or The light, light changes just as you get there. Other than that, I don't use those friction brakes in an EV.
0: Okay, we're almost out of time. Last question on uh, EV versus gas. And again, I'm using an F-150 Lightning as my comparables because they're basically the same size truck. One's battery, one's not. Um, How much of a factor does payload or weight have to do with range? Meaning, I've got a, I've got a gas powered F-150. It will seat five very comfortably, three on a bench in the back, two in captain's chairs in the front. So I can carry five people. Let's say they're, they're five 200 pound people. So I can carry a thousand pounds of people. Is my range going to be that much significantly reduced carrying a thousand pounds of passenger weight? And what would an F-150 lightning have? One person versus five.
2: It will be comparable. The reduction in range for an EV or mileage, um, you know, you tow something with, with your F 150, instead of getting, you know, 22 miles per gallon, you're going to get eight, you know, if you tow a big boat or whatever. And that's just simple physics. That's when you think about it. What does the energy, whether it's electric or gasoline do? That energy is there to take that weight and move it through air. And and move it along. The more the weight, the more energy it takes. Simple physics, right? And so, um, and to uh, overcome the rolling resistance of the tires, et cetera. So, simple physics. So that isn't very much different between uh, the two vehicles. You're going to have a reduction in range slash mileage. The more weight you load into the thing, with uh, or if you tow, um, with either vehicle. And I wouldn't expect. I don't know. I haven't seen anything specific on this. Uh somebody ought to write that up actually. If you're towing a boat, you know, does your does it drop 50% in a gas and 30% in an EV or 70% in an EV? I don't know the answer to that, but I would guess the reason I haven't read anything about it is that they're probably fairly comparable.
0: Okay. I you see just, you know, intuitively, my guess would be the more weight you have in a battery powered car, it's it's going to it's going to become less efficient a lot quicker than, than in a gas one, but that's just, that's just, you know, instinct, you know, but that's not based on anything. Um, okay. Anything else Hugh needs to know being not a car guy about this subject? Oh, let's, okay. Let's, let's close. Let's let's wrap it up with the, with the journalists in this story. We, we kind of covered it at the beginning, but d- why did they pick this run from Charlotte, through wherever to Memphis as opposed to uh San Diego or LA to San Francisco or <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Where because um
2: where you are in Orange County, California, so far this year, uh EV registrations have been twenty-five percent of total vehicle sale. Okay, in Orange County, California. That's fairly similar around the state it's going to be a little more in san francisco or la and obviously less out in fresno or bakersfield right but california is like 20 percent whatever evs you go to the state she went to you go to north carolina you go to georgia you go to mississippi you go to tennessee it's like two percent yeah three percent penetration now if you're in atlanta or in nashville or in charlotte it will be higher but um but those states are very low kansas the whole state is 2% uh, EV registration because, A, money, people in those states don't make as much money as people in California and New York make. And so that extra 20000 for the EV is is a big deal. Second, uh, those people are not lefty Dems that think they're saving the world by buying an EV. And so the whole... E- Eco reason to buy. I I love filling out surveys when I bought Did did you buy your Mustang Mach-E in order to uh, save the environment? I put no, hell no, not at all. Had nothing to do with it. I don't think it saves the environment. That has nothing to do with my decision to buy. And in fact, I I think I found uh, particularly with the Ford and some others that a fairly high percentage of the buyers don't care. They're not buying it because they think they're saving the planet. Uh, They know they're not. But anyway, That's another reason it's low in those areas. But another reason is people drive long distances. Yeah. You know, people, if, if you live and work in LA or San Francisco, you, you may have a long commute, but it's not very far. It may take you two hours, but it's only 15 miles. Right. So your EV range is going to be fine. But if, if you're in Tennessee or where you're in Mississippi or Knoxville or somewhere, yeah. You're, you know, to go see grandma is 200 miles. which means you can't go see grandma and get home. You can't do that without charging, right? It's not possible. So, so that rules it out. So I think the reason they're doing it, if they want to achieve their goals nationally, they can't do it with just California. And by the way, notice I didn't say New York's EV penetration because in upstate New York, what happens there in the winter?
0: Uh, It gets really, really cold and, and icy really cold. Yes, it, it does
2: so they 're not doing very well there either, and so um, the main states actually, I think Arizona has a bigger e v penetration than like new york, so it 's mainly the west coast it's it's um, california oregon washington because it's uh, it's the okay.
0: most it 's the most hospitable climate wise except of course when it 's super hot and, and it doesn 't work as we said you 're right, I right. Think and the politi-
2: and the political climate's hospitable in those three states as yes. well there 's more eco uh, people that are putting, I'm saving the earth on their, you know, ban oil and all that on a bumper stickers on the back of their cars. So, so what they're doing, uh, it's is, a sales is pitch to the
0: rednecks. It's a sales pitch to rednecks. Get over yourselves. This is the future. You better embrace it because this is what's coming. That's what this was. That's,
2: that's what they're trying to do. They're, they're, they're trying to show the rest of the country outside of the, the West coast that, uh, this is coming your way. This is what you're going to, by you're gonna like
0: it. Well, I'm out of my cold <laughs> dead hands. Are they gonna, are they gonna take the, the steering wheel of my truck?
2: And you know, have, have you seen any F one fifty lightnings? I know what they uh, what they look like. Different now to pick them out.
0: I I actually have seen one out here where I'm at. I've seen a lot of Rivian trucks, and those are cool looking yeah. trucks. To be fair, they're good looking trucks. I've seen a ton of those. I really have not seen a lot of lightnings. I've seen a a, met, a metric excrement ton of four-door electric sedans and they annoy me to no end. They're like <laughs> they're like little bumblebees with 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 the lights on the back. They they are not I don't care what we're going to have this argument until the cows come home. It's not a Mustang.
2: Clearly we are and I like cows and I want them to come home. But um my 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 point is uh, the reason you see so many Rivians where you are is that's where Rivians headquartered, headquartered Yes, in Irvine, California. They, they so are they are technically
0: whole... they are technically headquartered less than less than a mile from my house.
2: Yeah, and not only do uh, they have a lot of employees driving them, but I know from talking to people that a lot of their suppliers and vendors were basically strong armed to buy them. Yep. So uh, so they've been buying them too. So now uh, you go to Kansas, you're not going to see many. You see a few out here, and you're right, it's a good-looking truck. You see a few out here. But I bring up an F-150 just because it's an F-150. And I've seen a few here, and I've seen a few in um, when I've been in Orange County, California. I have not seen any in Kansas. And the reason is I always look at the driver. And the driver is in a suit, or the driver is older, my age. I, I've, I've looked for a driver that actually uses that truck as a work truck right. in an F-150 Lightning. And now I, my my sample size is small. I've maybe seen eight, ten of them. But so far, I haven't seen that driver yet. Uh, when I see a regular F-150s, uh, you're an exception to that. And there are exceptions. But an awful lot of those people, you can tell, that's what they work in. That is that, that they use that truck to work. Yep, and And I just... I just don't see the lightning as a work truck. I know all the ads show a guy, you know, putting his skill saw and all this stuff in the frunk and that kind of thing, but I just don't see they're going to get people to use these as work trucks.
0: I don't think so either. Uh, that, uh, that wraps things up for, uh, this edition of, uh, car talk with John Campbell. Thank you for doing that. Look through <laughs> is where you go to read all things. John writes, and he does write about things more than cars, but, uh, we had to do this just because Hugh kind of led us into it and promoted on the air uh, yesterday and today. So we kind of had to do it.
2: <laughs> I know we had to, and I have this week's look through the chaos teed up, but I'm waiting until tomorrow morning to see if there's any news on the UAW strike. It's been very quiet this week. It sure has, hasn't it? They're clearly getting closer. And the fact that they're not saying anything is actually a good sign. Yeah. Because right now they don't want to, you know, if they come out and say, you know, the UAW sucks or Ford sucks or whatever, that doesn't help. Um, So they're not saying that. But the strike deadline is Thursday night. So we'll see what happens, uh, whether that happens. But So I'll have something up by close the business tomorrow and um, if there's news on uaw i'll have that other than that you won't have anything to do with cars so those of you that were bored uh go to look through the chaos and then next tuesday we have to do the requiem for chuck
0: todd uh yes we do and we will on next week's edition john as always thank you very much we will talk to you next tuesday right here on the after show bye see ya bye
2: they couldn't stop Jack, all the
1: boys happy. Welcome to the Grand Old black, Pod. It's Wednesday, black, the 13th day of September, year of our Lord, 2023. I hope you enjoyed the show today. We covered the impeachment. We covered a lot. Now we're going back to Jennifer Granholm's excellent adventure, or what we should say is Secretary Granholm and NPR's excellent adventure, the EV adventure. And I'll come back with a few more clips after this. But I know that we're doing a three-parter, and so I, I've got to start here. Uh, the three parter being, we're going to put Monday's Grand Old Pod, Tuesday's Grand Old Pod, and today's Grand Old Pod, part one, uh, over at iTunes as a supplement uh, to the universe to the uh, highly concentrated hue, so that people can hear about this. But I do not know. I went down to as you heard me talk about. It. I went down to New Hampshire yesterday to see Chris Christie do an event, uh, beers with builders, and I told you about it on the radio show. But uh, I didn't do it in an EV. And it it was a pretty long drive, and, and as far as I can tell, I didn't see one EV charging station. So Jennifer Granholm cannot come to Maine and New Hampshire. But uh, Generalissimo sat down on the Grand Old Pod yesterday with car enthusiast and former Congressman John Campbell, and I'm eagerly awaiting a report. I wasn't able to listen to it because I was in the car, got back late last night, Generalissimo. How did you set it up with him, and was the congressman familiar with the facts?
0: Oh, he absolutely was uh, familiar with the facts. I didn't even have to reread the story because you pretty much had outlined what it was to begin with. We covered it uh, kind of it, him as a car guy, what his overall view was, and then we started asking questions. We started doing actual comparisons between gas-powered cars and electric cars on all sorts of different scenarios to talk about what happens if you do go on a road trip. We talked about the um, the media agenda angle of how the reportage was on the story, uh, where the trip actually took. They actually did deviate off of I-40. Remember how we had talked yesterday about how Charlotte and Memphis was a straight route on, on I-40, right, yeah. going east
1: to west? Monday, and, not yesterday, Monday.
0: On Monday, yes. And it was nowhere near a four-day trip. It still isn't. But they did deviate off I forty. They went south through parts of Georgia and then kind of back up northwest through Mississippi to kind of get back to Memphis.
1: So and they that's took kind all of a DJ. Yes. All I, I in don't want pod. to repeat the pod. They just heard it. So what I want you to tell me is did you get to the coconut laden swallow question?
0: Uh, the coconut laden swallow question. I did not ask it phrase it exactly that way, but we did talk about Range. We did talk about. Um, did you talk
1: about old Dwayne versus skinny Dwayne and how far you'd go further? Wait, how much weight has an impact? We did talk about. No, no that. but I have a very specific question. How much further would skinny Dwayne go than large Dwayne? Payload does have a difference. Well, that's you. You are like a candidate. No, you were like you are like a presidential candidate. It's a direct question. Was Alger Hiss a communist? Yes. All right. Everybody, have knows you this. read The Looming Tower? Yes. Everybody knows this. How much further would Skinny Dwayne go than Old Dwayne in an EV, SUV, SUV, EV? You might get five percent more range. It's, All right, it's just negligible. Checking. Fifty pounds is is five percent. That's what you're Maybe. saying. Maybe. Yeah. Well, that's another reason. Now, tell me what else Campbell thought. Would has Campbell taken a road trip in uh, his? EV fleet? No, because
0: I mean, there was there was a lot of things in there that he did talk about that were really kind of interesting, which is the John Campbell was interesting. (sighs) Okay, so you you do or you don't want to hear about it. I do, but I'm just you're really telling me he was interested. You're not just
1: promoting the show. No, it it is actually kind of it actually kind of is interesting. Well, remember, everyone just heard what he had to say, so you don't have to repeat it. Okay, you have to summarize it and make it funny. I have to summarize and make it funny. Yes. Yeah. Uh, to
0: summarize and make it funny, um, he had to put it in English so that he knew that I would translate it to you, and he knew that you knew nothing about cars. He also said um, he wanted to correct the record. You had told him, or you said on your podcast— that uh, Campbell thought that you had no soul when it came to cars, right? He's told me that 25 no, times. No, that's not what he's told you 25 times. He's, he does not believe that you have no soul. What he said are the cars that you buy have no soul.
1: He, well, it's he, the same thing. No, it it's derogatory. It, and he just because he doesn't like to ride in comfort in an old 15-year-old vehicle, actually. That's, a, and
0: that's one of the things that we talked about is the fact. 17-year-old vehicle. That's one of the things we talked about is if you look at the fleet of cars that are on the road in America, they are an aging fleet and people are holding on to their cars
1: longer than ever before. Oh, you're never getting my LS. Right, Whatever it is, so out of my cold dead hand. But you
0: see, here's the problem with that: your Lexus will go twenty, twenty-five years because it was built well and it's got an engine that will go that long.
1: And it's got it's got eighty thousand
0: miles on it right. after
1: fifteen years, and right. it will probably go two hundred, two hundred
0: fifty thousand miles before yeah. you need to touch the engine. Yeah. You can't say that about an EV because an EV oh, simply really? won't
1: go that long. Oh, we talked about all this. Yes. Well, I know people again, people will have just heard that or they might not. They might be listening to this on the universe. Generally speaking, does he believe has he taken a road trip in an EV? No,
0: he said he agreed actually with my assessment that we talked about on Monday, which is EVs do have their purpose and they do have their role for
1: for certain people And let me let me interrupt you. Absolutely. They are intended to make Elon Musk even wealthier than he is. um, That's
0: that's another thing that was discussed, which is Elon Musk. The reason he was so successful was that he, as a private entrepreneur, built the network of charging stations himself, knowing that he'd need that to be able to sell the cars, which he did. The problem with the federal government, the problem with the article, the problem with the NPR angle. They want more charging station ability. The problem is you can't mention the word Elon Musk because it's verboten because he's now a registered Republican.
1: You know what else is the problem? And they don't if have they don't the have the infrastructure without it. If you tell the government, I again, I worked in the government for 7 years. I have been on a government board most of my adult life state, local or federal. I have appealed to federal regulators my entire life. If you give them a task, the coefficient of, of private sector to public sector is 10. So if it takes one day for a private sector to put in one EV charging station, it right. takes 10 months for the government to do that. Right. It will be more expensive and it is not likely to work. And that is simply the incentive of not being able to be fired. So at the end of the day, Does he actually think we're going to be significantly EV-ish in any time soon? No, no. Uh,
0: California has a 25% of new car sales in California are EVs. It's a West Coast regional market, maybe a little bit in the Southwest, but where this article was aimed at was flyover country, was redneck country, was red state country, trying to convince... But
1: southeast, the, the weather's not horrible in North Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee, but it's not weather, wonderful either.
0: Weather is a factor, too, in these things that we talked about. You're not going to find a lot of EVs in upstate New York and, and the northeast because in the winter, when you have to put salt on the roads to melt the ice so that the roads are passable, well, that salt water gets under those ca- undercarriages of those EVs and starts fires. They- How many
1: coconuts go in the glove compartment? Um, One. Okay. Just so long you got to that. So in the end, did he agree? My, my critique of this has been the media coverage of it yes. because it was so absurd. Uh, his I hope his critique of it was technical. So together they get, everyone who listens to this special pod will get both the political journalistic critique of of secretary granholm selecting one reporter from NPR to go along with her advanced team led right. non-road trip road trip how absurd is that is a waste of money time and propaganda absolute and, propaganda yes and your second conversation with john campbell former congressman car dealer and rocket extraordinaire should be about the inefficiencies of EVs and their appeal cuz he has one right he does his have non Mustang. Mustang. His what? Well, yes, and 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 we talked about that. That's one of the cars that could
0: have been and should have been under normal circumstances in her little fleet, her motorcade that they talk why? about, because it's one of the biggest selling electric vehicles in the country.
1: The but it's pro- an Airsats Mustang. It's like going to the
0: Spidey-verse. no, no, no. The the reason why it's not there is because every vehicle that was in her motorcade that she featured on this road trip are made in union factories. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no, no,
1: that's I that, I didn't know that. Well, see, that's why you listen
0: to this podcast is because we got to that yesterday. The the four-door electric sedan made by Ford that they stick a Mustang label on is actually produced in Mexico in a non-union shop. We can't that's, have that. No, so that's can't. not that's not part of the fleet. We can't talk about that.
1: All right. That that concludes our EV segments. And I would encourage, we're going to post these uh, for Harley's benefit. We're going to post Monday's Grand Old Pod, Tuesday's Grand Old Pod, the parts about EV, and these first 10 minutes to wrap it up. Bottom line, America, don't buy an EV based on anything the government tells you that it can or cannot do because it's not true. Find somebody like Campbell who owns it and have owned it for a while and ask them, what. maybe I'll have John on the show if he ever gets up early.